0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
1: And again with Buck nuts 24-7. Did you say Buck Nuts? That's awesome. <laughs> about, about 25 years going strong.
0: morning Bucknutters. it is sunday january 2nd 2022 i am dan rubin this is almost live our in-season sunday morning podcast this will be the final almost live of the 2021-2022 season and it was glorious ohio state defeats utah in the rose bowl 48 45 the people's champ is here to discuss it backs you drew some guff or publicly saying you thought the Buckeyes might not get it done, I imagine you've never been more thankful to be wrong.
1: Yes, my crow is delicious. I've been hoping to eat this crow dish for the last month. And I have to say, the the way the game started was the way I feared it would look. I mean, Utah came out and our defense did absolutely nothing. But for all the fireworks, for the incredible all-time performances we saw on offense, in many ways, to me, the story of the game was the way the defense totally changed the way it looked after the, after the first half of awfulness. The second half, they looked like a reasonable defense, and that is the reason we won this game, in my mind, because the offense barely got stopped. And you know what? Hey, I, I'm thrilled to be wrong. I, at no point in time was I rooting for OSU to lose. Like, I, I, I'm not one of those people who goes, well, I want to say, hey, I was right. No, I just, what I saw, I called it like I saw it, and hey, I'm thrilled we're wrong because the offseason is going to be way more enjoyable now. Takes a little bit of sting off of that game in Ann Arbor, but the sting won't ever really go away from that. Certainly not until that gets rectified in Columbus in November in approximately 330 days. So, uh, you know, we'll... we'll, we'll We'll have to think about that one for a while. But, man, this is a great, great win for Ohio State. and It's a gut-check moment for the program. So I am thrilled my prediction was wrong. Um, I'm relieved it was wrong, too, because it looked like it was going to be right the way that first half was going.
0: So much to get into, but let's start with the two most obvious kudos, and that is quarterback C.J. Stroud, wide receiver Jackson Smith Najigba. Stroud basically broke every bowl game record you could possibly think of. Smith Najigba, create a video game, make yourself the wide receiver performance. 15 catches, 347 yards, three touchdowns. Only one target didn't come through, and you remembered it was down the seam. Three touchdowns, could have been four had he not dropped one heading in. That's the best any receiver has ever played in a game that I've watched. Quarterback is harder to say, although I text during the game with someone I believe was about the best on Ohio State football. I can't reveal the name, but we agreed There were several passes in that game that C.J. Stroud threw. I don't think Justin Fields could have thrown. I don't think Troy Smith could have thrown. I don't think Dwayne Haskins could have thrown. Can you please try and attempt, at least, to put into context what C.J. Stroud and JSN did last night?
1: So JSN set the uh, bowl record for receiving yards in a game. Not the Rose Bowl record. Every bowl ever played. The all-time bowl record. 347 receiving yards. He didn't just set the record. He shattered the record by 40 yards. It's the greatest bowl performance by a wide receiver in any bowl game ever. That's how good of a game it was for JSN. And frankly, like you said, it could have been better if he hadn't gotten the one punched out. Like... We don't even, we're not even hardly talking about that one because he was so jaw dropping the whole game. And some of those catches that he had, that last touchdown by JSN Mm. was one of the most perfect throws you'll ever see by CJ Stroud. And the midair adjustment over his shoulder, bringing it in, getting both feet down by JSN. That is uh, whoever your source was that you were texting with. Let me tell you, he's dead on correct. Because that throw by by Stroud is that is the definition of a dime. That was a rainbow arc to the exact spot it needed to be. JSN had the greatest possible bowl game a receiver maybe could ever have. He has vaulted himself up to uh, preseason All American, Heisman favorite, blah 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 everything. And by the way, in the process, JSN broke the Big Ten single season receiving yards record too. He broke Lee Evans' record, formerly of Wisconsin, and had over 1,600 receiving yards this year. And he didn't even get to play a Big Ten championship game or a second playoff game or anything. That's a 13-game record. It's astounding what JSN did yesterday. And then C.J. Stroud, look at the start of the year to now. The evolution from him has been incredible. I remember talking after the Oregon game, they were like, we don't know if this guy has it. He's either hurt and should be sat, or if that's the best we have from him. There's a lot of concerns. And the game they sat him was the turning point on the season for him because when he came back, he was like robo quarterback. Uh, he, I refuse to believe that anybody's going to be higher rated going into the NFL draft after next season than CJ Stroud. Uh, looking at, back at this season, we're going to remember this as a missed Heisman opportunity in the same vein that 2015 was a missed Heisman opportunity for Zeke, both of whom fell down at the end, losing a game that really wasn't their fault, but they didn't perform particularly poorly in. And, you know, the the reality is Bryce Young won it this year. They defaulted to the usual pick the quarterback on the number one team stuff. Uh, CJ Stroud is going to be the Heisman favorite next year because he's the quarterback of the two Buckeyes. There's very little chance that I think the Heisman voters will ever pick a repeat winner. Uh, So Bryce Young, is sort. Tim Tebow didn't win it twice. Mr. College Football, nobody's going to win it twice. So C.J. Stroud's not only the Heisman favorite going into next season. C.J. Stroud is going to be the favorite to be the number one pick in the NFL draft in two years. And that's just about correct based on what we saw yesterday in his performance. He's a humble, quiet kid in a lot of ways. But man, that is a bounce back performance, and you know Ryan Day has had some incredible quarterbacks as as you mentioned here before CJ. And this kid is this kid might be the best of the group when it's all said and done, particularly when you project him to the NFL level. So yeah, all time performances by both in bowl games. I think CJ Stroud failed to set the bowl game passing yards record by four yards. So that tells you just how ridiculous the two of them were. Uh, It was an incredible performance to watch, and the other thing is they needed every single bit of it because this was one of the most ridiculously fun up-and-down games I can ever remember watching Ohio State
0: play. Yeah, that's a great point you just made, too. Usually when you see records broken like this, there's some kind of gratuitous nature to it, and you're running up the score, and you're blowing somebody out. Every single play was needed, so that makes it even better. You were right about Stroud. I do think he's a better NFL prospect than Bryce Young. Bryce Young is about 5'11. You cannot convince me that they're going to want to take a guy that size over Stroud. Once Stroud, I mean, he's got a whole offseason to get in the weight room and thicken up. I'll give you a little inside baseball here with texting with my guy. When that play was made, the one you're talking about in the end zone, Stroud in the corner to JSN. I got an immediate text that said Heisman favorite next year. And my response was, which one? Because (laughs) I don't think a wide receiver would ever win the Heisman trophy unless you put up numbers that were Sega-like. And 15, 347, and 30 is quite Sega-like. Stroud had two more throws, one down the left sideline, down 14 points, by the way, to a Buka that was tremendous. And then we'd be remiss if we didn't mention – Uh, Marvin Harrison Jr., the touchdown to him uh, to start the game in the left corner was incredible. Marvin Harrison Jr. had three touchdown receptions in his first ever start. Marvin Harrison Sr. never had three touchdowns in a single game at Syracuse. So decent start to your career when your dad's a Hall of Famer. Got to give it up to the youngsters.
1: Yeah, Harrison was awesome. He kind of gets lost in the shuffle yesterday because of what JSN and Stroud overall did. But Harrison the first touchdown to him was huge. And then the third touchdown he caught, he absolutely torched the guy at the line. And the 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 pass that, that went to him in the end zone where he was fading off was not even contested because he beat the guy so badly. The, Harrison was beyond impressive in that game. And this is something I want to sort of think about here. Ohio State this year could very clearly on their report roster had at least three first round picks at receiver because jsn is going to be one next year olave and wilson are widely expected to be this year and i was trying to think going back to all the great receivers we've had at osu i think 2005 is the only year right now that i can say is even in competition for the sheer volume of talent that osu had this year in their receiver room and that was the year of course we had ted ginn jr santonio holmes and Anthony Gonzalez, who were first-rounders. You had a young Brian Hartline who was a future fourth-rounder and wide receiver recruiting stud. You had Brian Rabisky in that receiver room who barely played that year but was a second-round pick eventually. And then you had Roy Hall who was also a late-round pick. It's quite possible this year that OSU is going to have even more eventual NFL talent that was in that room because you have the three we already talked about as first-rounders. You're telling me that Harrison and Egg Buka – who Eggbuca had a gorgeous adjustment on that catch you talked on the first drive. That might be the most important catch of the game because I wish she was two and out at that point. Uh two, three and outs in a row at that point. And the that drive was literally a pass to Eggbuca that was beautiful. And then the deep ball to Harrison that, that was uh the touchdown. They hadn't really gotten much going before that catch to Egg Buca. looked very good. And by the way, as a kick returner, he's really good. Every time he had the ball, I thought he was gonna house it. He had multiple returns, where he took it back up to midfield. And so you have Harrison and Agbuka on top of the big three. You've got Julian Fleming, who, you know, when we were talking about toughness with these guys and whether they gave a damn about winning the game, Julian Fleming hurt his shoulder, got up, ran across the field with a dangling, and then put a brace on and came back on the field to play. That's a kid who wanted to be out there. He deserves a ton of credit for the heart that he showed in that game. And by the way, he's an athletic, talented player, too, where it hasn't really came together yet with him. I mean, there's a guy who might be another guy that puts it together as time goes on. And we haven't even talked about Ballard behind him. OSU's receiver room talent this year was phenomenally astounding. And I think going into next year, they're still going to potentially have the best receivers in the country. Because obviously you have JSN. Harrison's ready-made to go like Buick is going to be good. You have Fleming. I mean, these guys are really good. And then I don't even talk about a kid like Caleb Burton coming in who might be able to be a a guy who gets some snaps too, as the year goes on. So yeah, this is, this is a wonderful jump off point going into next season to think this offense is not going anywhere. This offense next year is very highly likely to be a national championship caliber offense. And it just finished as the highest scoring offense in the country this year. So, you know, the future is very bright for Ohio State and offense. Let's just put it that way.
0: I think the receiving core from this year will get the nod in the historical discussion of it because the fourth receiver transferred out and basically almost won the Bolitnikoff award for the eventual national champion and Jamison Williams. So is that a and good receiver? probably a first-rounder
1: too. <laughs> exactly.
0: So I think that'll be like the haymaker in the argument that will give this recent group the chance to – be looked at as the best ever let's talk about the defense the first half was abysmal it was like having to live through the season all over again they did somehow short up in the second half held them to 10 points would have been nice had they held them from that last touchdown but I do want to mention Tommy Eichenberg 17 tackles from middle linebacker just a great performance by him although I will say this this defense needs a complete and total overhaul From personnel to scheme to everything else, as I look at this group, I think the only person who's guaranteed to start next year is Denzel Burke. The floor is yours. I
1: agree with everything you just said. And, you know, going back to my pick of Utah to win this game, that first half on defense is exactly why I made the pick that I did. They they couldn't, you know, they couldn't stop water if they fell off a boat. I mean, that's the reality, how bad they were the first half. I think they forced a punt at one point and it was really nice to actually see that. And then they probably got scored on the next couple drives. Uh, this defense at halftime, I don't know what was said. I know Ryan Day's sideline interview was terse and hilarious. 35 points and a half is ridiculous. And they just stormed off. Something happened at halftime where they reached an adversity point where they said enough. And thank God it finally happened because when you're playing defense, it has to be a mindset. It has to be a willpower. You have to be nasty. You have to beat the guy in front of you. You can talk about scheme left and right all you want. But when you don't put a hat on a hat and beat that guy in front of you and then make a play, it, it doesn't matter what the scheme is, right? You have to be more physical. and You have to have the desire to drag the guy and get his ass on the ground, period. And these guys that are the old, especially a lot of these upperclassmen, have not really ever gone through major program shaking adversity. Some of these guys, like their only losses have been like in a playoff game. That was a farce against Clemson that we should have won. We rightfully walked away furious. Uh, We lost last year to Alabama in a championship game where half our defense was out with Corona and Bama was just that good. And it was a weird year. The, The Michigan game is the first program shattering adversity moment that they've ran into in their entire college careers. And, I have to say, we have some upperclassmen on that defense who look like Tarzan and play like Jane, plain and simple, and they did not carry the load the way they needed to this year. Now, some of the younger guys, like you said, Eichenberg had a fantastic game, and he's been the whipping boy for some people over the course of the year because he's had his struggles at times, and I'm certainly not saying that he's going to guarantee himself a starting role next year, even after this game. But what Tommy Eichenberg did was Tommy Eichenberg got nasty. Tommy Eichenberg wanted to make a tackle. Tommy Eichenberg was shedding blocks, getting to guys, getting his hands on them, and getting them on the ground. And that first half had what I consider to be the most embarrassing score allowed in the oh, history yeah. of Ohio State football on defense. I'm talking about the play on fourth and one where yeah. Cam Rising looked confused, ran to the left. It was a
0: botched play.
1: Yeah, it was a botched play. Multiple tackles were missed. Everybody stopped running because they thought the tackle was made. And then the slow quarterback outran the whole defense to the end zone. But most insultingly, that play should never have happened. It was fourth and one at midfield, but Utah had so little respect for OSU's defense that they said, after going for it on third and one, they said, screw this. We're going to get it. If we go for it, why would we even consider giving them the ball back? And on third and one, they ran it right at Harrison and Harrison held a spot, made the play on fourth and one. They ran it at Harrison. And what's the criticism of Zach Harrison is that he likes to freelance instead of holding his edge. He cut to the inside and boom, they were past him and gone. And then everybody behind him didn't do their job. It's the most embarrassing touchdown. I can imagine Ohio state has ever allowed in the history of the program. And that's not hyperbole just because of all the factors i put in place. So the second half, The defense finally, especially the guys in the D-line, finally said enough. We saw penetration from the D-line. We saw tackles for loss. When their quarterback got hurt, you don't root for him to get hurt. But that was the byproduct of multiple guys swarming to the ball. I mean, that guy was hit probably six, seven yards behind the line of scrimmage by two or three different defensive linemen. That's what you need to do to win football games. Uh, JTT Showed a little bit of nastiness. i liked seeing him on the field. JTT's going to have a big year next year, I think. Uh, I liked seeing Teron Vincent finally do something. He was all around the football. Uh, Tyleek Williams was finally on the field more, and he played well. Uh, (laughs) and, And I also thought Court Williams at times made some plays. It was nice to see him getting in there. Eichenberg, whenever the Utah quarterback went out and they had to bring in the backup who had never attempted a pass, you could tell Utah just wanted to run the ball. And OSU got to the point where it was nine guys in the box, man up. Let's see what we can do. That's what Michigan did to OSU most of the game. And OSU got ran over. OSU's gut check at that halftime is a turning point for the program because Utah could not run the ball on OSU. That last touchdown that they gave up, which is sort of the final turd on a bad season from the defense, was multiple pass interferences and then one completed pass downfield. And it was because OSU oh, was stoning Utah in the running game. That was finally the toughness, the nastiness, the, the, the pure defensive football that we were lacking against Michigan. And I can't think of a more adverse moment for the program writ large than down 14 at the Rose Bowl coming off of an embarrassing showing against Michigan on defense and turning it around to the tune of something like 140 yards and only 10 points in the second half. It's not perfect. It's a band-aid. Jim Knowles has his work cut out for him, but it it's a real serious turning point to me to springboard into an off-season where hopefully there are massive changes to fix this defense schematically, but more importantly, the attitude has to be there. Because the OSU D-line, is I never thought I'd see an OSU D-line that got beat up as bad as it did uh, against Michigan and in the first half yesterday against Utah. The second half, they came out with an attitude, and a lot of those guys who looked like Tarzan and played like Jane actually played like Tarzan. And that's a good thing, finally. That has to be the attitude going forward. And by the way, that is the bare minimum that was needed to be done for OSU to win this game. If they hadn't gotten a couple of those stops that they did, Utah quite possibly walks away with the win because the offense doesn't have the opportunity to set these ridiculous records and and all these big, shiny, fun numbers and stuff. Uh, The tackle by Ronnie Hickman on fourth and two or whatever it was, an actual gorgeous open field stick tackle, something the likes of which we have barely seen from this defense, which is so awful at tackling all season, was a thing of beauty. And Ronnie Hickman didn't have a great game, but that play right there, that's what a defense needs to do. The desire, the nastiness, the technique, just actual defensive football. And we finally saw some of that in the second half from OSU. And that is the biggest reason in my mind that we won. Because I'm not like, – if you had told me before the game that JSN and CJ Stroud were going to go off, maybe not quite to this level, but I would have been like, yeah, duh, they're really good and the other two receivers aren't there. If you told me before the game that the defense would only allow 10 points in one half in this game, I'd think, hey, we're probably going to win. And we did. So it's amazing what happens when the defense is just respectable. That's all we needed this year was respectable defense. And that's all we really need next year is just a respectable defense. We just can't be terrible like we were this season. And a national championship is a total possibility next year with the talent that OSU has on the other side of the ball.
0: Yeah, I had rationalized it throughout the game that This was the last time we're going to see this defense so I could stomach it as long as they got it done. And the positive thing is this. We've seen a bad OSU defense get revamped in one season with the addition of a visionary, Jeff Halfley. I'm confident Knowles will come in here and be able to do. I'm not sure he'll be able to do what Halfley did, but I think it's realistic at Ohio State, given the fact that you have such good talent that they could definitely make a big jump on defense next year. And let's be honest, they have to do that. This was just a terrible season on defense. And I'll tell you this, Tavion Thomas, the Dayton Dunbar grad, he is not coming home to Ohio with his head hung low. He is walking around with his head up thinking, I ran through you guys and we just ran out of time. If you look at the end of the game, he was still running hard. One guy I do want to mention because we always forget to do so is Noah Ruggles. That is what it feels like to have a great kicker. Another use of the transfer portal that we don't talk about that Ohio State did beautifully. We're going to take a quick break, come back, and keep it going.
1: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage
0: match limited by state law. All right, we are back. That was not the only thing that happened yesterday. It was an impactful day on the news front. Ohio State, during the game, added a commitment. 2023, Cedric Hawkins... Safety out of Florida, and we learned after the game. No surprise, Matt Barnes, defensive coordinator, will take over at Memphis. Ohio State does tend to get you a gig if they send you packing. Your thoughts on the two news items?
1: Well, whenever that commitment broke during the game, it was right in the midst of the first half of awfulness, and I was joking with my friends, "Can we get him in, in gear right now and just get him on the field?" <laughs> so it's it's a good pickup for OSU, though he's a top two, four, seven kid four-star kid out of Florida Uh, this is a this is a nice pickup for the Buckeyes and it's a good way to keep 2023's class uh, you know strong I think it's something you have to look at with OSU the last three seasons under Ryan Day all three classes have been in the top five in the country and I think that's the standard that we need to meet and it's always a good start to get a top two four seven kid Uh, you know it's it's pretty far out till signing day for 2023 kids but uh, I feel pretty uh, pretty good about that being a, a, a nice pickup for the Buckeyes. As for Barnes, look, I, I don't think Barnes did a terrible job this year. He was dealt a, a tough hand in many respects, being put in charge of the defense off of an abysmal performance against Oregon. Uh, I think since he came to OSU, my expectations originally for him were pretty low, and he's exceeded them in a lot of ways. Uh, I think a job like the OSU defensive coordinator job might have been a little too big for him just overall speaking, but he did stabilize the defense enough to get the team to a Rose bowl. And I think he's a, he's a good coach and I think he'll do a great job at Memphis. I don't necessarily feel like this was a, you're fired. You suck kind of um, departure. I think it was an acknowledgement by Barnes that I can be a defensive coordinator. And if I want to be one and keep moving up the coaching ladder, I have to be the guy on defense and he wouldn't have been with Jim Knowles coming in. So You know, I appreciate what Coach Barnes did at OSU. I wish him luck at Memphis. I also don't think he's the only defensive coach that we're going to be seeing depart uh, here in the offseason. I know Ryan Day said he hasn't made some decisions yet on that. Um, There's a lot of scuttlebutt floating around. I think we'll get some clarity on it in the next couple days. But uh, I I certainly think of the defense's problems this year. Barnes was way down my list of who to point the finger at. Uh, Let's just put it that way.
0: Now we're going to take a look at how the bowl games have gone, and then we'll look at the playoff a little bit. The Big Ten, noteworthy. Minnesota beat West Virginia in the Guaranteed Rate Bowl. I know everyone tuned in for that. Maryland over Virginia Tech 54-10 in the New Era Pinstripe Bowl. And, of course, everybody was watching the TransPerfect Music City Bowl, which Purdue won in overtime over Tennessee. Michigan State beat Pittsburgh 31-21 in the Peach Bowl. Wisconsin over Arizona State in the Las Vegas Bowl. Wake Forest dumps Rutgers in the Gator Bowl. And then let's get to the college football playoff. Michigan, just a ghost-like effort. Gets punked by Georgia 34-11, to and it wasn't that close. Cincinnati goes down to Alabama 27-6. to Your thoughts on the Big Ten and the playoffs?
1: Well, I think the Big Ten starting 5-0 in bowl season was really nice. Uh, I-, I think... We have to put a little context into a couple of those those defeats. Uh, Rutgers had, I think, eight days to prepare to play Wake Forest, and it was not where you would have slotted Rutgers in the bowl structure <laughs> if they had been given the opportunity with the, when all the games were picked. So good for them for showing up. I, I, I think it was almost uh, – it was dangerous almost that those kids hadn't practiced for a couple of weeks and then had a week to prepare for a football game. But, hey, they showed up and they tried, so good for them. Uh, as for Michigan, this will – continue their long trend of, uh, uh, of jokes about how they always collapse in bowl games and get murdered, uh, Georgia stomped them. And uh, it was very clear to me that they were, uh, they, were, they were not at all focused on this game. They were talking about how they beat Ohio State, and that's all they will talk about probably for the next five years when they don't have any more relevance because we're going to look back at this season and say we cannot believe Michigan won that game and won the Big Ten. And it, it's the one time that the, the, you know, Fox got into the hen house. And I fully expect Ohio State will continue to take its rightful place atop top the Big Ten in years to come. But Georgia embarrassed them. Georgia depants them. And if there was one good way to get rid of 2021, it was to send it out with the pure, crisp taste of Michigan tears. So that was wonderful. Uh, Cincinnati and Alabama was a nice showing for Cincy. Honestly, that's kind of how I expected it to go, if not much worse. So, you know, you—I I will say this: you—you you can't look me in the eye and say that Ohio State or Notre Dame or Oklahoma State wouldn't have had a better chance of beating Alabama than Cincinnati did in that game. Cincinnati just did not match up in the trenches. Uh, Alabama could have kept running Brian Robinson all day down their throat, and. You know, I think 27-6 by Sabin was almost a respectful win by Bama over Cincinnati because Cincinnati never really looked like they were going to score. Uh, I think overall the Big Ten in bowls didn't perform too poorly. Uh, they uh, Thank God, by the way, that Purdue beat Tennessee, though, because the Big Ten went 1-3 and three against the SEC, and the SEC didn't have a great bowl season, to say the least. I'm very pleased from a big-picture point of view that uh that that at least we got one win against them because the big 10 top to bottom this year i thought was a much stronger league but unfortunately for the big 10 yesterday you had iowa blow kirk ferentz did it again fourth and one on like the 45 yard line going in and if they get the first down they pretty much win the game and he decides to punt it away and of course kentucky scores late to put it in the end zone But uh, Iowa will never be more than an intermittent contender as long as Kirk Ferentz keeps nepotizing his own son to be the offensive coordinator there. Uh, And then Penn State played without half their defense against Arkansas and gave up 300 yards rushing. So those were kind of ugly performances. Uh, Another reason Ohio State winning yesterday sort of redeemed the Big Ten after a rough (laughs) couple days. But all in all, this is about what we expected coming out of the bowl season from the Big Ten and the playoff. I think the best case scenario for this playoff would be for Alabama to win another title because then nothing really changes for OSU. Michigan didn't win anything. Can't look at recruits and say, well, look at us. We're national champions. No, they're they're another one in the line of non-Ohio state schools that get into the playoff from outside the Southeast that get blown out. And, And Cincinnati, if they had managed to inexplicably win, would have been able to sell to recruits in Ohio that they can go there over OSU and have a chance to win. And that didn't happen. So now as long as Bama goes out and does what Bama does, all the goofiness of this season, all that kind of gets lost in the wash. And the big picture is that, you know, Alabama is still Alabama and everybody else is is working to to try to catch up to them. And Ohio State is still going to be one of the favorites next year. Their position as the preeminent Midwestern football schools in place. The preeminent school in Ohio is still in place. So I hope that Alabama beats Georgia in the national championship game. I really do. Because then Ohio State is still right there at the top with everybody else, chasing Bama, like everybody has been as long as Nick Saban's been in charge of his Death Star down there for a decade. And, you know, OSU springboards into next season as one of the top three, four teams in the country in terms of being favorites for the national championship again. And by the way, if you could guarantee to anybody that OSU had a real defense next year, they might be the favorite. So all all in all, this is a pretty good bowl season for Ohio State fans and the Big Ten at large.
0: Max, I cannot agree with you more. I think the future is absolutely bright. I'll get into this in more detail on Tuesday on the BM5 with Dwayne. I'm confident Ohio State will be a better team next season, and I just have to believe the defense will be better with Jim Knowles at the helm. We appreciate back stopping by. He's done yeoman's work for us all season on Sunday mornings. See you next season, Bucknutters.